Screw it, screw it, we're just going to talk about Spider-Man. Hello, welcome to Screw It, we're just going to talk about Spider-Man. This is the podcast where we do that, we talk about Spider-Man, the comic book, specifically the original 40 issues of Spider-Man done in the 60s by the original creative team of Steve Ditko and Stan Lee, and... um. Uh, we do an issue every episode. This episode, we're doing issue 25. Uh, also, there's two co-hosts. I'm one of the co-hosts. My name's Will Hines. I'm the other, up until now, silent co-host, Kevin Hines. Uh, yeah, sorry, I talked I talked a little too much there. No, it's, it's okay. I was I was happy to sit quietly. Uh, <laughs> we are brothers. We live on opposite coasts. We are UCB yep. comedians, and we are Spider-Man fans. Yeah, and so like I said, every episode we do a different issue of these original run. We're up to issue 25. We're, um, we're coming off a few uh, episodes that were atypical. We had some guests for a couple issues. Yep. And last episode, we didn't talk about Ditko Stan Lee issues. We took a break from that. Uh, so this is back to just you and me talking about an issue of Spider-Man. Back to the old standard stuff. Yeah. So if you hated the first like 22 episodes, yeah, uh, <laughs> then this is another one you'll hate. This is another one you'll hate. Or if you hated having actual people who made Spider who make Spider-Man comics, then you're going to love this one because we got nobody qualified on this yeah. episode. Yeah, if you like the ones that did not uh, follow the pattern that we had preset, um, then great, great news for you. Great news for you. Um, yeah, so Kevin, this is the Spider Slayer issue. That's right. Jenna well, Jameson hires a scientist to make a robot called the Spire, Spider Slayer to go kill Spider-Man. Is, right? it called, is it called that in this issue ever? Oh, I know it is not. a spider slayer, but I'm not sure it's ever actually called that. You know, it's just it's, called the robot. Yeah, I think, I and mean, this is Smythe. He's the guy who has a history of creating spider slayers, but I'm not sure it's ever called that, even though you'd go back and say this is the first spider slayer. This becomes a thing, though. And it really wasn't even, it doesn't even seem like it's trying to slay Spider-Man. It just seems like it's trying to capture him. Just trying to capture him, right. I did, I'm so used to thinking of this robot as the spider slayer that I didn't even notice it's never actually called that in the issue. I mean, it might be. I don't. I don't think it was. And so as we're going through right. it, maybe we'll, we'll right. notice. Uh, when I reread it last night, I, I I wasn't paying close attention to that. But then I got to the end and I'm like, I don't think it was ever called that. And then I put you the know. issue down and didn't check. That's the sort of in-depth look into these issues. I can promise. <laughs> I read it, had a question about it, did not research did not it. not follow all. it up. Yeah. Um, I'll look up a little bit as we go. So when we get there, I'll have some of the information. But um, yeah, that's what we're talking about this um, this episode. Kevin, what segments do we have? So let's start. Let's talk about the cover first, and then we'll go into some of the segments, and then we'll get into the actual issue. This is a cover that really stands out in my mind. It shows a robot with like a bunch of arms, like like almost like very otherworldly alien tentacle coils. Yeah, just tangling Spider-Man uh, pretty, pretty well. Yeah. And J. Jonah Jameson's face is just being projected from the robot's uh, head monitor. Yeah, which looks so uh, crazy. Yeah, it looks insane. Uh, I, as always, I wish there was a background to this cover. It's just sort of a yellowish uh, blank background. But the actual image is really cool. Yeah. And if I saw this, I'd be interested in it. I'm uh, less into J. Jonah Jameson, the villain, and more into J. Jonah Jameson, the uh ignorant annoyance yeah um but uh, i would probably be interested in this issue like i am in all issues of spider-man right and it's actually very little copy text on the cover normally there'd be a lot more word balloons you can't miss this ish fans what how spidey gonna get out of this one that sort of stuff yeah it just says captured by j jonah jameson and that's it um yeah i i like this cover it's nice and simple and bold and it, it grabs me uh fittingly yeah well uh in, into our segments, I don't think there's any Spider-Man and or podcast news. I watched the Miles Morales uh, Into the Spider-Verse trailer. Oh, great. 
Uh, seems fun. I can't wait. Um, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. And, and you've also been working your way through the Steve Ditko mailings you mentioned. Did you mention that last episode? Yeah, I ordered some uh, some comics from Steve Ditko's website because he still makes comics. And I got stuff that he did uh, either this year or uh, last year. And, and I haven't read them yet. I flipped through them. They look very cool. Um, Great. I can't wait to hear yeah, I'll about give a, that. I'll give a more full report once I've, once I've read them. Uh, last issue, we didn't do our What Else is Going On in the Marvel Universe segment. Okay. Um because we had a guest and also not much had been going on and we missed something. Oh, okay. Last month in May, 1965 was the first issue of the new Avengers. It's where all the original Avengers left the team and were replaced by what is often called the kooky quartet. Okay. And who is that? So the, uh, the Avengers that left were Thor, Iron Man, Giant Man, and the Wasp. Right. And the Hulk had left even before that. Hulk had been gone long ago. Captain America stayed and formed a new team with Hawkeye, Quicksilver, and Scarlet Witch. Okay. And Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch were villains from the X-Men comic. Okay. And Hawkeye was a villain uh, from the Iron Man comic. Oh, so it's kind of like a Thunderbolt situation, like villains reforming themselves. Yeah. Uh, vill- villains reforming, uh, re- sort of um, trying to become heroes is a very old Marvel Universe thing. It starts here, I believe. Um Hawkeye, even when he was a villain, I think was a reluctant sort of suckered into it villain. I think he was sort of lured in by the Black Widow. I don't okay. think he really wanted to be a villain. Okay. I don't know as much about Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch before. I think they just felt like villains in those old X-Men comics. But uh, they're all trying to redeem themselves. And Captain America is a good guy to do it around. Right. But that is a crazy lineup change. Yeah, you've gone from like big heavy hitter guys who have their own comics to sort of like these featured characters. Yeah, characters that aren't, I I guess they were just trying to be like, let's put characters in here who don't have their own books and make more stars. Yeah. But it, uh, it feels very, a very big change. Yeah. To replace like Thor and Iron Man with Hawkeye and Scarlet Witch. Yeah. I mean, if you told, if, if, if I'm in the, if I'm a innocent bystander in the Marvel universe at this time and I'm like, we're sending the Avengers and I'm like, great. And then those guys show up. I'm like, what? Where's the, where's the powerful people? (laughs) And I think a little bit that story is sort of told in these comics, people just sort of being like disappointed or Mm. not underestimating this team. Yeah. That was last month. That was May. So this month would be like their first full adventure as a team. Cool. So the kind of like second generation Avengers is starting. Yeah. It's the first big event. Avengers has lineup changes all the time. It's sort of a thing they do. And this is the first one. Cool. All right. We missed that. Apologies to the Marvel universe. Yeah. And now we're in June, 1965 and nothing really new is happening. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah. Well, the Marvel universe has come a long way since the Spider-Man comic started. Now it's like a real fully engaged thing. Yeah. So... Uh, now let's get into the issue, I think. Okay, so this is Spider Slayer, uh, although he's never called that in this issue. But this is, this is captured by J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> right. So the splash page is, uh, as usual, just a alternate cover. And it shows Spidey being pursued by this robot with a J. Jonah Jameson face. That's right. Uh, something interesting also on this page, it's it's this is the first time that it's made explicit that the artist, Steve Ditko, has also come up with the plot. Yes. Uh, uh, not mentioned in like the credits box and like a separate thing. So it must be, it feels like Stanley trying to make peace. Yeah. I mean, like we're getting, we're heading towards the end of Ditko's run and we know 
that they stopped getting along and that Ditko start, at some point refused to talk to Stan Lee and would just send in the pages without consulting Stan at all. And we believe that is happening now. It's probably happening now. So uh, what it says on the splash page is sturdy Stevie Ditko dreamed up the plot of this tantalizing tale and it's full of unexpected surprises. So turn the page and see if you can guess what's coming next. So that, that feels like it's Stanley trying to say like, hey, I'm giving credit to you, Steve. And also a little bit of that Stanley shade. Like, look, Steve came up with this. So weird stuff happens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think it's next issue where he just starts getting mentioned in the credit box. Let me just check. Yeah, yeah. it's like co-plotted. Next issue is plotted and drawn by Steve Ditko. So this is the start of Steve Ditko getting credit for probably what he's always been doing. Yeah. So uh, and to and to and for what's interesting about that to me is it means that this collaboration, which was probably never a happy one, is becoming even more frayed. And it's just strange because they were a great team, whether they liked it or not. Yeah. And also their best issues are ahead of them. Yep. Their three best issues still have not come out yet. Yeah. Uh, it's a really fascinating uh, collaboration. These two, they don't like each other. They don't talk to each other, but they're making legendary comic books. Yeah. Okay, so um, let's get into the start of the issue. Great. So this issue starts with Peter Parker going to retrieve his spider signal that he had thrown up on the roof to distract Flash Thompson last issue. Yeah. Well, at the very, very beginning, he's leaving Liz Allen's house because Liz Allen, the most popular girl in school, because he's been tutoring her in science. But she's, right. all, we, she's only asked him to tutor him because she's got a crush on him. That's right. And this was all set up. This is all stuff that happened in the last issue. This is very serial feeling, even for... Spider-Man comics, yeah, which are normally continuing stories, but rarely are they continuing like the detail stuff. Yeah, normally it's like last issue we left off with Peter going to tutor Liz Allen, but that's what's happening here. And Peter's looking like a full hunk. Like he's leaving his nerd days behind him. Yeah, he doesn't have a tie on. He's got like a nice yellow uh, checked vest yeah. instead. He's looking pretty good. Yeah. But yeah. It's interesting that spider signal light is a mistake because in the previous issue, Stanley threw it in a word balloon where Spider-Man thinks to himself, good thing I went back and got that light. Yeah, but Ditko is just ignoring Stanley and being like, no, he left that light. Yep. I didn't show it, so it didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, and so here he is going back to get it. And now it's just sort of, we're just ignoring that word balloon. And uh, Spider-Man is going back to get a spider signal and he spies some crooks uh, stealing a car, I guess. Yeah. And then um, but instead of handling them himself, he notices a nearby policeman. He uses his just reclaimed spider light to guide the policeman towards the crooks. And then he just takes pictures as Peter Parker, I guess, saving the energy or something like that. Yeah, I guess it was just quick. Uh and, you know, and like these guys aren't getting beat up and the job is getting done. It does seem a better way to do it. Yeah. Hey, instead of being a vigilante, I'll let the actual process of the law handle this one. And it works very well. Yep. Um, he takes pictures of it. Then he goes home to his Aunt May. She, as always, is worried about him. Um, and Peter's working on a second outfit. Uh, last out issue he had, um, not last issue, two issues ago, he had the issue where um, his costume was wet. He couldn't, yeah, he couldn't change into Spider-Man because his costume was being washed. Right. So now he's making a second outfit so that he has an extra for when he wants to clean one, which, uh, great, you know, smart move. Yes. About time you have a backup costume. Um, and then Peter heads over to the Bugle to try to sell these photos he just took. But Jameson is talking to somebody mysterious. Yeah, uh, he's talking to, uh, first he's just talking to, um, who's he talking to at the beginning here? He's not talking to Smythe yet. That's, I think that is Smythe. No, Smythe comes in a little bit later. We don't know who this guy oh, this is. this is just a dude? He's just conducting bugle yeah. business or something? Yeah, it, it, I'm just realizing now this guy is nobody. <laughs> that's weird. I'll take care of your ad personally and I'll see you at the club tonight. I don't know what that's about. Yeah, 
I think this is the kind of thing that Stan Lee would kind of make fun of Ditko for. Like Ditko, be, he'd be like, well, what, what is this? This looks like it's something and it's nothing. Yeah, I think it's just him doing business because on the next page, Smythe enters. Yep, you're right. I th- yeah, it's not Smythe. So Jones, Jameson is talking to some character that we'll never see again, I don't think. It's given very strong focus. They're in the foreground of the panel. And he's forgotten about for the rest of eternity. Um, <laughs> yeah, that guy, business is complete. Yep. Jameson looks at Peter's photos and says they're boring because there's no Spider-Man in it. There's no like real action. So yeah, so Peter kind of gives it a spin of like, look how Spider-Man was sort of one-upped by the police. Can you use that? And Jonah is very proud of it. And he's decided that's a good way to spin it. And he will buy those photos, which Peter needs. He's very poor. And Betty sort of gives him a hard time for insulting Spider-Man to sell a photo. Yeah. Um, yeah. Betty is protective of Spider-Man in this issue. Very, she doesn't yeah. like Peter being against Spidey, you know, and her opinion of Spider-Man has wavered a lot. I mean, Spider-Man has saved her a lot, so she should like him, but she also hates him because she blames him for the death of her criminal brother. Yeah. So there's been times when she really doesn't want anything to do with Spider-Man, but in this issue, she's she really doesn't like Peter going after Spidey. Yeah. And I don't mind Peter, assuming Spider-Man is a different person, which he is not. I don't mind Peter bad-mouthing Spider-Man to sell a photo. He needs to do that. That's his job. Yeah, he's already willing to sell photos to this guy who is bad-mouthing Spidey publicly. So to just make a sales pitch doesn't seem crazy. Seems kind of smart. It also distances Peter Parker from being Spider-Man. Yeah, but what Peter does on the next page, I think, is bad. <laughs> well, certainly it it backfires. Sure, it definitely backfires, no question. But even if it didn't, it feels mean in a way that I don't like my Peter Parker. Yeah, so like what happens on this next page is... So Jameson agrees to buy these photos. Betty scolds Peter for bad-mouthing Spider-Man. But then there's this creepy-looking scientist... Uh, Mr. Who just walks into the office with a, with a, with a robot. robot and a, like a, uh, a big computer to control it. Yeah, it looks like a big mailbox that is the control apparatus for the robot. Just strolls on in. He got up the elevator. He walked through midtown Manhattan with this thing, got into an elevator. I assume the freight elevator. Talked to the union guys so they would run the freight elevator. Came up through the back hallways. Walked in through the extra wide door and he's right into the publisher of the Daily Bugle's office. This newspaper needs a security guard outside <laughs> or in the lobby. I mean, Someone who calls up and says, hey, there's a robot here to see you. Also, people come into his office not with news, but with schemes to catch Spider-Man. <laughs> Nobody ever comes in being like, I got some dirt on the mayor. Or it's like, hey, the policeman's union is on the take. He's like, hello, I have a giant net that can be used to capture Spider-Man or whatever. But I do love Jonah's reaction to this. His initial reaction is like, oh, no, not again. Yeah, I've been burned too many times before. Get out of my office. I'm not going to be fooled by another zany scheme. Yeah, I mean, he's already created the scorpion, right? Yeah. He he talked with Craven. Did he help somebody else? Well, no, as well? nobody said that Electro was Spider-Man and that was wrong. And he was a laughing stock for that. Yeah, he's just been humiliated a lot in his hatred of Spider-Man. And he knows better a little bit. He His initial reaction is, I don't even want to hear this because I know I will buy it <laughs> and I will use it and it will fail. <laughs> but Peter... He's like, he's an addict who just knows, like, don't bring those drugs in here. I will definitely do those drugs. Yeah, get them out of here. And the drug of his uh, choosing is trying to defeat Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. um, but Peter has a little hunch that if Jonah uses this robot, it'll be easy for him to defeat, Peter is thinking, and he'll get some good photos. Yeah, and I don't love this. He's, Peter seems very manipulative and evil here, especially if you're using my drug analogy. He's basically saying, hey, just take a taste. He's, He's like, yeah, I make more money if J. Jonah is on drugs. I better, I better make that happen. So he's leading J. Jonah Jameson down a destructive path because he's so 
cocky that he'll be that he as Spider-Man will be able to defeat this robot that he's like, hey, what's the harm? Why don't you see the demo and then decide? Last time he was this cocky, it was probably Amazing Spider-Man 3 when Doc Ock slapped him across the face. Yeah, when he got like totally shut down. Yeah. Don't get cocky, Peter. Uh, there's sort of some little physical comedy at the bottom of page four where Peter's really trying to talk up Jameson and Betty is like physically trying to pull Peter away from Jameson. I mean, it, yeah. it looks sort of romantic comedy like, get away from him, you numbskull. Yeah, it does. It feels like a little old old 60s rom-com going on here. It's like, hey, you know, uh, hey, Einstein, what are you trying to do? Talk him into something? Like that's the, that's the sort of tenor. Yeah, of he says, ixnay, ixnay, Betty. Yeah. Um, but he talks James, Jameson into it. Jameson's like, all right, I'll see a demo. Yeah. And to test the demo, they have Peter hold a spider in his hand to show how the robot can detect spider essence. Yeah. It's very funny. Uh, but because he's actually Spider-Man, the robot captures all of Peter Parker and they all just sort of write it off to the robot is like overly, um, attacking. Yeah, the scientist is like, well, was supposed to grab the spider and instead it grabbed the person holding the spider. Well, I'll iron out these bugs. But um, it's a really yeah. funny thing. Like, what if Betty was holding the spider? The robot just totally would have grabbed Peter. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He lucked out by being the one holding the spider. It's also really funny, these four panels of Peter Parker entangled in these uh, weird cables coming out of the robot while, like, Jonah and Smythe are just in the background having a conversation. <laughs> yeah, they're having this, like, very this, pleasant, like, like, oh, I see, it does work. Well, maybe we can work together. Peter's like, say! <laughs> He's like, he's being like smothered. The 17 year old is being smothered and they're just like, interesting. That's an interesting robot you have there. Also, I don't know how this technology works at all. It looks very like Lovecraftian. Like there's this solid form and then a bunch of undulating tentacles kind of like, like spool out of it. Yeah. That seem to have no end. They can just go forever. Um, but, uh, the doctor opens up this panel and presses the button that releases the coils. So Peter is free. Uh, and then the Jameson and the, and the scientist Smythe go to discuss a deal. Jameson's right. Mm -hmm. he, he was right. He's going to buy it. Um, for sure. He asks to buy it. And the guy goes, I only want to rent it. And Jonah, disappointed that he couldn't spend more money on this scheme. <laughs> Jonah wanted to buy it outright. So then um, Betty scolds Peter some more. And there's a really funny line um, where Betty, in scolding Peter, goes, fun to help Spider-Man captured after and after the way he saved your Aunt May from Dr. Octopus. Like, yeah, that's just yeah. part of this teenager's <laughs> life. Yeah, these guys have dealt with Spider-Man so much. Their lives are insane. So Peter goes back to school and uh, Flash Thompson's mad because Liz Allen is still trying to make time with Peter. Yeah. So uh, Flash pretends to be all friendly with Peter when there's other people around, gets him to himself. And then when it's just the two of them, threatens him to a fight, wants to beat him up today after school. Yeah. And Peter's distracted because he's aware that this robot is going to come after him at some point and can detect his spiderness. So all day at school, Peter's like jumpy. He's like looking over his shoulder. People probably think like, oh, this is because he's scared of the Flash Thompson fight. But really, he's scared of an imminent attack from a spider slayer robot. Yeah. Which is not yet called a spider slayer, but there will be there will be in the future future of this comic 19 more versions of this yeah, robot. Yeah. So this is just the first. Did you look up the spider slayer facts? Uh, uh, they don't make reference to whether it's named or not. I don't. I don't think it is named this because he. You're right. He's not trying to kill Spider-Man in this issue. He's only trying to capture him. But the next version of this robot, Smythe, is so humiliated by being defeated in this issue that he does want to kill both Spider-Man and Jameson. So that that'll be the there's a list. There's a list of all the Spider Slayers. This is considered Mark One. Uh, yeah, well, it's actually this very. This is Mark One. This little 
Cthulhu-like coiled robot situation. And I think still in Ditko's run, he's going to come back and try to kill Spider-Man. Is that true? Mark II is in his run? I think in the Molten Man story. Yeah, issue 28. There we go. So Ditko, Ditko loves this robot. It's like a better version of the living brain. You remember the living brain villain we saw some issues ago? Yes. Where it's like, this, this computer can figure out Spider-Man's identity. Go ahead, Peter. Ask him who Spider-Man is. And like, and now we have like, go ahead, Spider Slayer, grab this spider. And it grabs Peter instead or whatever. Like something yeah, about yeah. the robot being knowing what the humans don't know. Anyway, so Peter is jumpy in his high school uh, guys because he's waiting for a robot. And meanwhile, Jameson and Smythe are getting ready to getting ready to hunt. Yeah. Uh, and part of the one of the features of this is that Jonah can control it himself. And when he's controlling it, his face is displayed as the face of the robot. Yep. And so um, so they uh, they're ready to set the robot uh, on its way. They do. They set it on its way to go capture Spider-Man. Um, and meanwhile, Peter at school looks out the window and sees the robot in the distance. And it's a genuinely creepy shot. Yeah. I'm looking on page eight, panel five. Peter's looking over his shoulder out of high school and there's a robot and like there's a guy down on the street. Everybody is scared of this robot. This robot is scaring everybody in the streets of New York City. Sure. A robot is just wheeling around 1960s New York. I'd be terrified. I mean, I think I'd be scared now if I was like out on Hillhurst Avenue trying to go to the old mustard seed and a humanoid robot with a person's face just walked by. I'd be like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even blame. Oh, really? You'd be super into it? Now I just sort of be like, man, it's 2018, baby. <laughs> yeah, you're real, you're real cool these days. Yeah, just this how you it is. A lot of swagger. 2018, yeah, just, baby. Know. You say that a lot, right? Like when you see somebody talking yeah. into Siri and their iPhone, you're like, 2018, baby. Yeah, man, this stuff's all just, it's the next step. <laughs> Someone is at home, you know, and they the way they tell commute is they put their face into a robot and they send that robot to the office. <laughs> so Peter snaps into action. The robot's here. He he's gotta he's gotta get out of Dodge somewhere where he can change into Spider-Man. But when he runs out of the school, Flash is waiting to beat him up. And Flash sees him yeah. running away, assumes he's a coward, yeah. as always, and chases after him. Yeah. Flash uh Chases after him and everyone follows Flash beaming and smiling as Flash runs after them, shaking his fist. And then Liz follows trying to stop Flash from fighting Peter, who she has a crush on. Yeah, so um, we have kind of a weird parallel here. Um, Jameson and Smythe are controlling a robot, but Betty Brant is there trying to think of a way to stop Jameson. And here in this other area, Flash and the robot are chasing Peter. And Liz is trying to stop Flash, kind of. Yeah. And lucky for Peter, though, this mob of people's blocking the robot's viewfinder so they don't know who they're chasing, protecting Peter's identity. Yeah. So um, uh, this robot is <laughs> cruising on down the streets of, I guess, Forest Hills. <laughs> uh, there's a mob of teenagers chasing Peter. And then Peter, when he just gets one second, he ducks around a corner and jumps and, and vaults around a flagpole to hide so he can change into the costume. So he loses the teenagers. Yes. Uh, uh, and the robot starts like climbing up the roof to get him but by the time the robot gets up there he's changed into a spider-man outfit so then and the fight can finally begin sort of yeah in when earnest. the robot catches view of spidey in his costume james and is excited he's like there he is the robot found him does not put it together that the robot was chasing peter he never saw okay. peter he just saw a mob of kids running okay, right so the teenagers are mad they lost peter he's a coward um liz is wondering where peter is but meanwhile spidey and the robot are now about to have a fight yeah, and he finds out very quickly this robot, I mean, as it should be by a competent 
scientist has been built to defeat him. His webbing doesn't stick to it. It's uh, it's very strong. It can sort of take uh, a punch from him very easily. These coils are faster than him. Yeah, and, and they can just, they automatically uh, leap to him. So if he's trying to dodge and maneuver, they just adjust very quickly. So he kind of kind of runs away. He's trying to get some distance from it while he tries to figure out something he's going to do. Yeah. Originally, he sort of wanted to defeat it in front of everybody so that he could sort of humiliate Jonah, but that doesn't work. So he sort of runs back up to the rooftops. Yeah, so he's kind of trying to get distance in between him and this insane looking robot is climbing up uh, buildings. The robot is now trying to make wisecracks. So this is like a weird mirror image. Usually it's Spidey chasing a villain making wisecracks, and now it's Jonah making wisecracks at Spidey. That's right, yeah. And uh, he even thinks to himself... like, I hope I'm not this annoying. <laughs> right. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, I forget where exactly he it thinks that. It happens in a, like a couple pages, but it's really funny. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, back at the control area, Betty is trying to thwart Jameson. Like, she she tries to basically just reach over and turn it off. That's her first plan. <laughs> her first move is to turn it off. And Jonah just grabs her arm. Because, hey, her second you, move is to yeah. unplug it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So then she tries to unplug it by dropping papers near it, but then she gets sort of distracted. It looks like picking up the papers and never unplug. She's there for a while. Yeah. And just doesn't unplug it. Uh, and so she gets kicked out of the room. Then she tries to um, call Peter. Yep. Uh, but Peter's not there. And, uh, and, and Betty blames Aunt May because it must be a woman's fault that someone's on the phone. Yeah, that, that cursed woman who lives there must be talking. That's female. Yeah. So uh, Betty, Betty Brad says, a woman can talk for hours. Yep. Realistic female dialogue, courtesy of Stan Lee. So uh, Betty Brandt's going to head on home and, and uh, talk to Aunt May herself. Yeah. Uh, head to Peter's home. Talk to Peter herself, she assumes. Yeah. Um, not knowing that Peter is Spider-Man and out fighting a robot right now. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Flash is trash talking Peter, but Liz is defending Peter. The women are all on Peter's side. I mean, why wouldn't they be? He's become such a hunk. He's become a hunk. Uh, meanwhile, he's trying to run away from the robot. The robot is still having a blast and he basically doesn't have, he's still just eluding him at this point. Yeah. He's just sort of running away. Jonah's loving it, loving every moment of it. Uh, the high school kids all go to Peter's house too, to sort of wait for Peter to show up. So Flash can pound him. <laughs> yeah. They want this fight to happen. They're so hungry for a fight in this high school. Can you, can you imagine someone challenging you to a fight so badly that they then stake out your house waiting for you to come home? Yeah, here's my Rather aunt. Rather than just like, I'll get you tomorrow? Yeah. Oh, you're at my house. Yeah, here's my elderly aunt. You remember her husband was murdered in this house. Uh, uh, I've been yeah, traumatized by it. But yeah, you want to beat me up in front of her? Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. This is my aunt who's had two heart attacks recently. <laughs> yeah. And is drawn like the sweetest woman on the planet. But uh, yeah, if you yeah, want to yeah. punch me in the face in front of her. Uh, She's also kidnapped by a supervillain. She's had a great month. Beat me up. Go ahead in front of her. Yeah. Just wait yeah. for tomorrow when he's at school, Flash. He's a bookworm. You know this coward's got to come back to his precious books. <laughs> but yeah, but anyway, because of this, everybody other than Spider-Man and the Spider-Slayer show up at Peter's house, which means Betty, Liz, Flash, they're all there. Yeah, so um, there's sort of a Betty and Veronica thing here with Betty Brant and Liz Allen, like Betty the poor working girl and Liz the kind of rich kid, uh, more glamorous one. But yeah, so now what happens is maybe the most fascinating thing in the book, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is an amazing moment. So Betty and Liz get to Aunt May, Peter's house, when they find Aunt May. They both have yes. crushes on Peter. They are both jealous of each other. We can see because whenever they talk to each other, there's little icicles on the speech balloon. <laughs> yes, that's right. So we know that they don't like each other. They're jealous of each other. And 
Then, then Aunt May has to tell them that there's another young lady already here waiting. Mary Jane Watson is here. Yeah. Now, Mary Jane has been, I don't, I do not think she has been described to us as beautiful yet. No, at this point, we just know she is the neighbor's niece and Peter has been avoiding meeting also, her because he neighbor's assumes niece is, she's ugly. Is this just a block of aunts and uncles? Nobody has kids? Like, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like he's the nephew yeah. in this house and the next door neighbor has a niece. Is this like a yeah. rogue band of aunts and uncles who kidnapped children and like have are living together to help each other keep their secret or something like that? I mean, it's the 60s. Unfortunately, it was a time where there was still some segregation. Yeah. And if you weren't living with your real parents, you were put in certain neighborhoods of Forest Hills. Yeah. This is common knowledge. Yep. The Civil Rights Act wasn't just about African-Americans versus uh, Caucasian. It was yeah. also- it was, it was mostly about that, but there was a subset. A subset where it was of, sons, and sis, sons and daughters versus nieces and nephews. They are allowed to live together in the same block. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so they go in and Mary Jane is sitting on the couch. Very out of character, Mary Jane Watson. She is not the Mary Jane Watson we'll know in uh, a year or so. But this is a woman and Ditko is deliberately blocks her face. So she's like sitting on the couch- She's sort of busty and got like a sexy 60s figure, uh, which I'm just pointing out because we're talking about her physicality here. But her face is deliberately blocked by a flower in the foreground. And she's wearing like a, a scarf, um, like a headdress, a scarf like over her whole head. So we can't get a we can't get a look at her at all. You don't see her hair. You don't see her face. You just see her body. And she speaks with like musical notes the only line she speaks is like surrounded by musical notes where it says hello girls yes. hello girls that's how i read that kevin yeah i read hello girls no, hello girls <laughs> uh it feels like it's a taunting like i'm gonna beat you for peter but i can't imagine mary jane would care no the mary jane that we that eventually actually exists is does not play those kind of games. No, she doesn't try to compete with anyone. She wins if she wants to, I think. Yeah. She doesn't try. She also doesn't trash girls. Like she's not she like- She doesn't a, like rub it in people's faces or something yeah. like that. No, that's not Mary Jane. But, uh, uh, but Liz and Betty are, um, from their reaction, we know that Mary Jane's beautiful. They are stunned at how, what a knockout she is. Yeah, there's a panel where just like shock rays are shooting from their faces. And Betty thinks, she's a friend of Peter's? She looks like a screen star. And Liz thinks, he's been hiding her from us? Our shy, bashful, studious Peter? Yeah, weird, so they feel weird, outmatched. It's a weird turn in the uh, Spidey universe here that now Peter has three different women, all attractive, who are sort of competing for him. One of them we haven't even seen. <laughs> yeah, and we don't see... For a long time still. I mean, like, I think yeah. it's issue. I used to think it was the first issue of Ramita. It's like three issues in. Okay. So it's not, uh, it's like 42. She shows up at the very last panel of issue 42, I think. Do we know why this is the case? Like, I've heard rumors that Stan didn't feel Ditko's women were drawn beautiful enough. Okay. Now, I don't know if that was the case or if that's sort of retroactively explaining this. I mean, Ditko has shown a love of hiding faces, right? Norman's face. We don't know he's Norman Osborn yet, but Green Goblin's secret identity face is always blocked by a weird block, yeah. uh, changing mirror thing yeah. whenever he's taking his mask off. Yeah. So he loves covering up faces and just keeping a little air of mystery. It's a weird So choice. I think it's just that. Uh, but I don't know if it's that plus Stanley asking for it not to be revealed. But I he's not even know. he's not even talking to Stanley. So Yeah, it seems like it must be just a Ditko decision. But then Ditko doesn't think he could draw her beautiful enough? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he never meant to show her. I think he maybe just thought it was so funny. I mean, the guy has some weird storytelling instincts. Um, yeah. Or at least, th at least this is a weird storytelling. Okay, so I mean, it ends up... 
paying off pretty well, I feel like. But it is this would have annoyed me to no end if I was reading this comic as a kid. I'd be like, what? Yeah. Why is this person that in this world of very fake sounding characters, this one sounds even faker and you're not showing me her face. And she's not like it's not like when you show it to me, I'll be like, oh, it's her. Yeah. There's no identity to protect. You're just like not showing me her face for no reason. I don't know. It's like you're setting her up to be more beautiful than she could ever be drawn. Yeah. But this is our first appearance of Mary Jane Watson, technically. Yep. Uh, and, That's right. And so, um, but the te- so the girls, Betty and Liz, are disheartened and they want to leave. The teenagers are sick of waiting to watch Peter get his face punched in. So they leave. So only Flash is sticking around. Yeah. He's a little sad no one's going to get to see him beat up Peter or force Peter to admit he's cowardly. Yeah. But uh, meanwhile, Spider-Man is um, still running away from the Slayer, the robot. Uh, at, yeah. at one point, he, and, he, and he decides to turn and just face it at this point, right? He's like, I got to just, it's running away is just delaying the inevitable. I'm going to fight him. So he faces the robot and the coils instantly ensnare him, just like we're promised on the cover. Yeah. Uh, and it's, he's basically has, we don't know how he's going to get out of here. Uh, and then <laughs> we cut to Jonah and Smythe and they're like, well, we did it. We caught him. Bring Spider-Man here. And Smythe is like, oh, it doesn't work that way. We have to go. To if him. the robot tries to bring him back here, the coils may loosen during the trip and he might escape. So we have to go to him instead. Um, and so they do. They're going to go to him. So but that that gives Spidey some time uh, while yeah. Jameson is a lot of time. Like they cut to showing them in a cab at some point. I mean, if they're riding the around the offices, that's in the Flatiron Building of Manhattan or whatever. It's in Manhattan somewhere. And yeah. this is Forrest According Hills to Queens. Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movies, it's the Flatiron Building. Right. But anywhere in Manhattan, if you want to get to Forest Hills, Queens, and you're not taking By a helicopter, cab. that's a 40-minute trip. Exactly. So Spidey's got 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And he figures out Another, a way, he figures yes. out a vulnerability, which is the off switch. Yeah, that's a pretty <laughs> tricky move. He remembers that this guy opened up a panel and pushed a button. So he searches around, finds the panel, opens it up, and he and uh, he's trying to figure out the kind of inner workings when we cut away to Jameson and Smythe in a cab, giggling gleefully. Yeah, the cab's a great face. The cabbie, rather. He's just sort of like looking at them like they're crazy, which they would look insane to anyone. Yeah, they're, they're looking at like a little portable computer screen and they're telling the cabbie left here right here like they basically have the world's first ever version of google maps yeah and they're giggling to themselves um and then we see jameson and Smythe climbing up the ladder of a building right to where the robot is jameson comes on the roof and sees the robot with spidey totally entangled and he is yeah, he did not escape yep he's ready for his moment of triumph and jameson walks up to unmask him and he pulls off the mask and the costume is empty it is empty. It is just a doll. Or, yeah, so Peter got out of it, took his clothes off, changed back into Peter Parker, put his costume into the coils, and then created like a marionette-like puppet just to fool Jonah for a moment. He basically gave away his costume for like a moment's joy. Yep. Um, and so Jameson is humiliated. The scientist is taking it pretty well. Yeah. He's just annoyed. He's like, well, uh, I thought it was unbeatable. Okay, back to the drawing board. Jameson (laughs) is... He just shows up, interesting. I thought it would never lose. (laughs) Well, what do you know? (laughs) Jameson is uh, furious. Peter's taking pictures of this. Uh, Peter's looking very vengeful and gleeful as he does this. Yeah, there's a lot of... There's a lot of negative emotions in this issue. People just enjoying the agony of others. Um, Yeah, and he's, he's got a real, like 
kind of creepily happy face that we're seeing for the first time when he's taking pictures. Like this dude yeah. loves taking pictures as a, as of this issue. Yeah, it's it's not a good look on Peter, the sort of creepy joy and Jonah's misery. Not saying Jonah doesn't deserve it, but I, I expect Peter to be above yeah, it. You should take the high road. Um, meanwhile, back at Aunt May's, Mary Jane is leaving. She's waving in such a way that she blocks her face from the comics viewer. But Flash is like, whoa. Yep. Flash is like really impressed with how, what a looker she yeah, he is. Says, he says, who's that chick? Yeah. Very progressive reaction to her. Uh, and then a police officer shoes Flash away because Flash has been lurking outside a house in Forest Hills for a yeah, few he's been hours. Reported as a suspicious figure. Some of the other aunts and uncles on the block are like, "That doesn't look like a nephew. Get that guy out of here." Yeah, that guy. That looks like somebody's son. And um, so he leaves. So Peter comes home to an unguarded house, and Aunt May is furious with him. Yeah, because she found his spare Spider-Man costume, and she wants an explanation. And he just says it was a disguise to people for a joke. Uh, look, it's never even been worn. Look, I don't have a costume underneath me. I'm not Spider-Man. What are you saying? I'm Spider-Man. I'm not Spider-Man. Yeah. He's like, I didn't think you were Spider-Man. Yeah. Why do you have the costume? Yeah. She's like, geez, I wasn't thinking that much. I just want to know why you have this insane costume. Anyway, I'll throw it away. Yeah. Uh, so now he's got zero costumes. And um, that is the dilemma. We're often left with Peter in sort of an emotional dilemma. This this one, it's just that he doesn't have a um, costume. Yep. He made a second costume, but he gave one away to Jonah for a laugh, for a quick laugh. Uh, and that's the end of our issue, Kev. Yeah. Um, what'd you think of it overall? Um... It's kind of fun. It's sort of farcical and silly. It's like a goofy one. But some of the visuals are really good. I did like, I kind of like that Betty was trying to protect Spidey on one end and Liz is trying to protect him over here. It it feels different. Yeah. I went into this issue, I couldn't, I didn't remember it super well. And I went in going, oh, I'm going to hate this issue. I don't like villain Jonah. But I think because it was just trying to capture Peter, that part didn't bother me at all, really. It definitely doesn't feel like a real threat ever. These robots just don't seem as big a deal as the villains he faces. Um, it doesn't feel as good as the good issues, but it doesn't feel as bad as the bad issues either. Yeah, it's not It's not like a total clunker. Um, it's definitely not as good as the last couple issues, which I thought were really fun. It's, it's little, closer to like the Scorpion and uh, whatever issue was like right around there. Yeah, it's okay. Um, I mean, there. if Ditko had stayed, they were going to need to try to evolve a little bit. They couldn't just keep staying. Something needed to change a little bit. So maybe they're trying out different tones or something. And, you know, they're evolving his relationship with the high school kids. But it feels, you know, if you think back on the early, like, living brain, lizard, first vult- or second vulture appearances, like, the comics changed a lot. Yeah, and I don't know how this comic would have evolved if they're not talking, because I don't get the feeling that Ditko is going to make drastic changes to the title ever. I think Stan Lee is more likely to ask for changes if they were talking. Yeah, and actually I trust Stan. I mean, Stan has Stan has sometimes in the history allowed people to give him way too much credit as the writer, but he is a really good editor, and he's a, and he's a, and he's a decent story structure guy. Like, and um, the the best comics at Marvel is when Stan would team up with somebody like Kirby and they would work together. And people say, and I don't know if this is true, that one of their big arguments was who is the Green Goblin? And Ditko wanted the Green Goblin to be nobody. Right. And Stan's like, that's not very satisfying. It should be somebody that we know. And I think Stan's right. Stan is right. Yeah. Like, I think... Once in a rare while, if you pull the move of just sort of like making it seem like it's a big deal and you remove the mask and it's like, well, who is this? That can work. But in general, it's like if you're teasing it like a mystery, you need a payoff like it's a mystery. Yeah. So um, it's like when Electro was unmasked, Spidey made a big deal. He's like, I guess I should say the butler did it, but I don't know who this guy is. (laughs) Yeah, that feels like a Ditko thing. (laughs) 
So, um, yeah, well, we're headed, we're heading into very late Ditko Spider-Man now. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah let's do I, some awards. Like, yeah. Awards. So best panel. Um, it's funny for such a visual villain. I'm not blown away by panels as, as much as I have been. I had one in mind, but I just changed my mind while flipping through it again. Yeah. You have a new one. Uh, so I'm going to go with page 10. Okay. Uh, panel five. I like this angle oh, yeah. where Spider-Man's leaping off a roof with the tentacles following him and it's sort of looking down at Flash and the teens. Yeah. Um, just like it's a very visual, interesting angle, especially in an issue that despite having lots of, uh, you know, coils and leaps and bounds, felt a little static panel wise. But this one sort of is just an interesting look at what's going on. Yeah, I'm going to pick, uh, I, I think that is a good panel. I'm, I'm going to pick um, page five. Oh, this might have been my first choice. Go ahead. Uh, panel four, where the, uh, or now I'll do, uh, I'll do five. Panel five, where Peter, Peter is caught in the coils and he's kind of struggling yeah. to get out. I think that's kind of a cool thing. My first choice was panel six on that page. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, where they're just sort of, where Jonah's sort of stroking his chin uh, and everyone's sort of ignoring Peter as he's being attacked. You know what? I like that panel too. I'm going to change it. Panel seven, because I like the <laughs> red foreground. The, the, that. I also like that one. All those panels are fun. Just like sort of Peter in the foreground fighting for his life while Smythe and Jonah and Betty sort of do go about their business. All right. What's your favorite Stan Lee dialogue? I, I got mine. Uh, I have mine too. Uh, give me a second because I got to find it. I forget where it was. Mine's a flash line. I'll do mine first. Uh, page six, panel seven. Flash has got a surrounded by some of his like high school classmates. And he says, did I tell you chicks how I helped old Spidey to get the last laugh on that phony psychiatrist a few weeks ago? I think that's really funny. Yeah. Did I tell you chicks? <laughs> that's a funny way to address people. Uh, my favorite is page 17, panel four, where J. Jonah Jameson says, look at you, the amazing Spider-Man trapped by ordinary J. Jonah Jameson, average American business tycoon. Oh, yeah. That, I love that one. That's true. Average American business tycoon is a very funny phrase and very J. Jonah Jameson. Um. What's your highlight? I think despite its ridiculousness, my highlight is Mary Jane. Yeah, I think mine too. Uh, it's definitely uh, the most memorable moment from this issue. Yeah, it's just a strange thing. It's kind of exciting that she's in play. And knowing that she uh, becomes a big deal, it's hard to uh, uh, not put that on her as well. Yeah, yeah. Like knowing what she'll become. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's sort of like, uh, you know, it's sort of like listening to Ringo Starr play on an old Hamburg bootleg or something. You're like, oh, this is going to be the Beatles guy. <laughs> that's right. It's, that's just what it's like. Mary uh, Jane is sort of the Ringo Starr of Spider-Man comics. She's going to be huge. Um, uh, I'm going to say my highlight is, I'll say the same highlight, same highlight, Mary yeah. Jane. What's your low light? Um, I'm kind of vague here. My low light is that there's, there's a kind of just general sameness in this story. It's like another robot, another Jameson scheme, another Flash wanted to beat him up. Like, it's a little tired, I guess. Yeah, um, my low light, and I sort of tipped my hand throughout this discussion, is sort of just Peter's attitude. The glee he takes in Jonah's defeat, the way he yeah, sort of manipulates little... Jonah into buying this robot. He's meaner here. Yeah, I, there's moments where he's like that. It's not totally out of character for how he's been portrayed. I just don't like this side of him. I don't like the dark side of Peter now that he is a full-on hero. I think that's a better low light. Thank you. I'm, a lot of my choices are better than yours. And people <laughs> yep. know that, but yep. it's nice to hear it sort of said out loud. Yep. I'm no Peter Parker. I'm a good guy. Um, <laughs> all right. Those are our awards. Congratulations, Issue. Yeah. Good job, um, Issue. You really did it. <laughs> should we uh, move on to reader mail? 
Yeah, we got a bunch of mail. We haven't done it in a while. Uh, what do we? Maybe we should, maybe we don't do recommendations and we'll just do mail. That sounds good. I don't have a recommendation yeah. queued either. So, I that's although it. I have been reading comics again. I'm excited to be back in it. Great. Well, I, I need to post. I've I've made a list of all our recommendations because one of our oft uh, made requests on Twitter and Instagram is for me to post photos of our recommendations so that people have a place where they're like written down. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to do that do at it. some point soon. Um, you're doing a lot of work for this podcast. Yeah. 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 It's hard work. No, I, it's true. I mean, I said it's snarky, but I mean, <laughs> um, all right. So let's do some reader mail. Uh, so this first email, um, is, uh, from Jay bridge. I think this is Justin bridge. Yep. Uh, it's emailing us with, uh, some facts about the beetle. This is about our beetle episode. Okay. Uh, and he says, I'm right. Kevin is right. So I like how this email starts. Okay, good. The Beetle costume from the 80s is the best one. All right. <laughs> uh, and I had made that comment that the redesign, which I guess was redesigned by John Byrne, it looks like. It was it definitely showed up in an issue drawn by John Byrne. Okay. Um, is the one I've remembered. I didn't know it was designed by John Byrne, but now it makes sense because it's just a smarter Beetle costume. Um but then he talks about how the Thunderbolts, he talk, He kind of goes into, I, I talked about the Thunderbolts because the Beetle eventually joined the Thunderbolts. And he right. just goes into detail about who each Thunderbolt was because I was sort of flailing and trying to just remember on the go. Right. Then Zima was Citizen V, uh, Beetle became uh, Mach 1, Atlas, uh, uh, or Goliath became Atlas, Screaming Mimi became Songbird, Fixer became Techno, and Moonstone became Meteorite. And so that was the original team. And they were all former members of the Masters of Evil, which was also sort of a key part of that issue, even if they were sort of like lesser members of the Masters of Evil. Masters okay. of Evil being sort of an Avengers supervillain team. Um, okay. Thank you, Justin. Yeah. So he just sort of clarified some of that stuff for us. So thank you. Nicholas DiPatrillo wants us to keep going. He wants us to, he says our podcast got him to start reading early Hulk and Fantastic Four comics. Ooh, uh, and he'd fun. love for us to talk about some of those. I don't know if we will, but I love that he's reading those comics. Yeah, they're so great. Oh man, if FF has got some, everyone should be reading those FFs. That yeah. should be a, a, that should be some national of them world. are absolutely bonkers. Oh yeah, that, that's, that's true. true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but the good the good Oliver, ones are so good. Oliver Villar wrote, and he started talking about, and this is something that I do think I knew at some point and had forgotten that the Beetle issue where the Human Torch and Spider-Man and Dory yeah. all get sort of in a love triangle yeah. is continuity freaks put that before the story in issue eight where Peter sort of crashes Human Torch's party. That does, that helps give some good motivation for the party. Yeah. It, it just, they say it was decided because Peter meets Dory for the first time with any mention of issue eight. So when he meets Dory, he doesn't talk about the fact that he saw her at a party. So it doesn't make sense that, that hasn't happened. So the people have just retroactively put it there. It was made sort of canon-ish in an untold tales story where they sort of mapped out the chronolo- the chronology of these early Spider-Man comics. Uh, uh, that's interesting. And I accept I put that. interesting in quotes. Yeah. <laughs> you put interesting in that's quotes? It, that, uh, it's interesting in sort of like a super comics geek kind of way, which yeah. I, I have been in my time. Yeah. Give, this, give Oliver a no prize. I mean, I bet he's got a few. Uh, well, we give out no prizes for any reason we want. Sure. Uh, I'm going to give him two no prizes. Yeah. I feel like he did a lot of good yeah. work there. Yeah, give him two no prizes. But here's a great question from Alexander Bagnara. Okay. Uh, he asks us, so he, in a recent issue of Amazing Spider-Man, which Will is not reading, uh, Peter Parker <laughs> tells Flash Thompson that Flash Thompson is his best friend. Interesting. At this point in his life, he's like, I've known you forever. You're my best friend, Flash. 
Wow. Um, and, and this guy, Alexander, says he always considered Human Torch sort of being Spider-Man's best friend. Yeah. They've known each other since the beginning. They've also, they've known their identities now for a little while. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. He like sort of feels like Human Torch is more his best friend. And who do we yeah. think is Spider-Man's best friend? Well, I don't I haven't, I really can't answer not having re- read the modern ones. I'll say that it makes sense that somebody who's known Peter Parker longer would be a better friend than someone who's known Spider-Man longer. Like Torch and Spidey were like friends behind masks, kind of. I mean, for a long time, Spider-Man or Peter Parker refers to Harry Osborn as his best friend. Right. For a long time in comics, that was Harry Osborn's role. Peter Parker's best friend. His yeah. best friend is the son of his arch nemesis. Right. Uh, his best friend becomes a villain that he has to face. Uh, I, their friendship always felt a little forced. They didn't seem to get along that well when they first met any more yeah. than Peter and Flash. But that's sort of been sort of told to us. It's sort of been foisted on us. My answer is sort of maybe a schmaltzy one, but I think Mary Jane is his best friend. Yeah. Especially when yeah. they're not a couple. Like they're not a couple right now in the comics. And she is the one human he can talk to about all facets of his life. Yeah. They've been closer than he's been with anyone. Yeah. She gets it. I don't know. Like, I feel like other than Aunt May, she's the most important person in his life, no matter what. Yeah. So my answer is Mary Jane Watson. I think that's a schmaltzy and a a rough and tumble guy like me doesn't like that much schmaltz. Sure, sure. You like more bruises in your answers. (laughs) Yeah, I like a, I like a bruising, more, more masculine answer. No, I think that's a... A sweet and smart answer. Probably Harry Osborn is the canon answer. Like that's that's probably on somebody's whiteboard somewhere in a Marvel <laughs> development office. Like, but yeah, yeah. By behavior, Mary Jane really is. I mean, whenever they make movies, Harry is always his friend. Yeah, right. Um, thank you, Alexander. Interesting question. Uh, Mark David Christensen writes. Yes, he's a friend of mine out here in LA. He's an LA boy. Okay, great. He asked a question for you guys. He says, hey, Will and Kevin, hosts of the podcast. (laughs) So he has addressed us correctly. Yeah. Uh, If tomorrow you woke up with all of Spider-Man's powers, what's the first thing you would do? (laughs) That's very fun. What a silly question. (laughs) It's very silly. I love it. Uh, I often, when walking down the street, think about where I would web swing. That's true. I think about that sometimes when I'm in Manhattan, for sure. Yeah. And I'm like walking to work in the morning. I'm like, oh, I could just shoot a web up there. <laughs> Get over Save all these myself people. a few seconds. I think about that too, like in a crowded avenue in Manhattan. I'm like, oh, if I could just web swing over, don't have to wait for the light. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it would save so much moments. Yeah. Um, I live in a suburb now, so I wouldn't be able to web sling immediately if I woke up in the morning. So I'd probably just hop around a lot, I guess. Yeah, see how, I wouldn't trust... See how high I wouldn't I trust jump. my... I wouldn't trust my ceiling to support my weight if I cl- if I clung to it. I'd expect like the drywall to rip out. So I guess I would just start to leap around. I'd head right down to Los Fields Boulevard and just be jumping as high as I can. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I assume I wouldn't have web shooters because I'm not smart enough to make those. So I'd just I'd, be able to like I'd be jumping and lifting things. Yeah, you're more like flea man, really. You can just hop a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, still, yeah, be, pretty good powers. Even yeah. without the web shooters, I think you're doing okay. I would okay. hop back and forth over the traffic on Los Fields Boulevard. That's my specific and final answer. Great. And I would just sort of like jump around my backyard and maybe lift my car once. I'd and I would so- wreck it. It would wreck my car. Yeah. There's no way I could pick it up in such a way that I wouldn't like shred it. I'd be so happy to not have a sore back. I would just be like, I'd probably just do a bunch of uh, sit-ups. Oh, yeah. It'd be great. Like, it'd be so great to like, oh, I'm not achy from anything because I have super strength. Um, that's a fun question, though. Yeah. Uh, this one's a tougher one. Joe Connolly emails and asks, 
And this might be a better one to answer at the end. We might want to remember this. What is our favorite issue just from a Stan Lee perspective, just like dialogue mm. perspective? And what is our favorite issue just from Ditko art perspective? That's a very fun question. I'll answer it without thinking too much about it, although I might change my mind if I actually like looked over every one of the issues. Yeah. My favorite art is probably uh, Amazing Spider-Man number three with Doc Ock, um, just with the under lighting and his tentacle or yeah, his like arms going nuts. That the art of that issue really uh, got me, and the dialogue. I think it's the um, it's the another Doctor Octopus story, but a later one where um, Peter is unmasked and Betty Brant and her brother are involved. Like the soap opera drama of that really really got me. Yeah, just without thinking about it, just based on the issues we've read so far, because art might be like thirty three. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I think my instinct is weirdly like the second Vulture issue. I remember that just being like really fun. Yeah. Um, art, art wise. Art wise. Yeah. 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 The Vulture issues always stand out to me. And I think the second one, Ditko had a better feel for the whole characters. Yeah. Um, So that one sort of stands out to me. Dialogue wise, without thinking about it, I think like the Craven issue. Oh, yeah, it's really fun. Craven, all of Craven's speeches. Oh, yeah, and all the jokes and stuff are really good in that issue. Yeah, Craven's very funny. Chameleon's very funny. The sequence at the beginning where Spider-Man's life just sort of falls apart is very funny. Yeah. And I think Stan Lee deserves a good chunk of that credit for how funny that all feels. I like your answers more than mine. Well, as I said, my answers are generally <laughs> correct. <laughs> Nick Coker asks if we've ever read The Superior Foes of Spider-Man. And I feel like I mentioned it once on this podcast, but maybe I didn't. I have read them. I assume you have not. That is correct. It was written by Nick Spencer uh, and drawn by Steve Lieber. Okay. Uh, and it's basically the boomerang kind of forms a team of super villains together. And it's basically like a sitcom. Weird. Um, it is sort of like criminals getting in their own way of things. Um, like the other, I forget who the other villains are, but they're, they're, they're random, lame villain characters. Yeah. Like, I think Big Wheel might be one of them. <laughs> and he's like a guy who just drove along like a big mechanical wheel at some point in his career. Maybe Speed Demon's also in it. He's actually got some legitimate powers. Uh, and it is. It's a very funny, interesting comic. It, it's sort of like a comedic breaking bad is how I would describe it. Cause they've always got schemes. They're always backfiring. They're always trying to spin those backfirings into successes. Boomerang's always sort of betraying everyone around him. Um, and it's fun. He mentions though, and I don't remember this and it makes me want to go back and read it, that the clown makes an appearance. Okay. Weird. Does Fancy Dan and Ox do? I vaguely remember Fancy Dan and Ox being in it. They fit very well in that. I don't remember the clown being in it. And that excites me because the clown I love how lame the clown is now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one more. Okay. And this one is from Nicholas Sperdute. Okay. Spelled just like you can see through my eyes. Uh, and he's talking about how there's a new Venom movie coming out starring Tom Hardy. Um, right. Are you aware of that, Will? Yes. He says, if you had to make a spinoff with one of the Ditko Spider-Man villains, it could be a movie or a TV show, who would you choose? A spinoff with a Ditko villain? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you my first instinct. You're, okay. not gonna, you're not going to like it. <laughs> All right. I'm excited to hear it. I would pick the enforcers. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love it. Because, and it would be like a sillier, like, it would be like sort of like a Bull Durham, like minor leagues, minor league crime guys, like guys who can't get any respect trying to like make something happen with their lives. Uh, any idea who you would cast? Um, I would say that like, I mean, I want them all to look monstrous. So like, um, I can't think of any modern people, unfortunately, but like Steve Buscemi is fancy dance, like a young Steve Buscemi is fancy dance. So somebody, or <laughs> I was going to say DJ Qualls, like 
<laughs> I can't think of anybody new. <laughs> I'm so terrible at casting. I'm gonna bail like, when it comes to my part. But go ahead. I'd have to like like a real like a real spindly like yeah. emaciated looking person. Or that guy who played Chekhov before he got killed. Unfortunately, would have been good. Uh, uh, oh Anton. yeah. Uh, um, that's who I pick for Fancy Dan. Um, Montana. Uh, you know, some country guy, like some country Western do stunt casting, you know, like some like Dirks Bentley or something like that. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. And then um, Ox, you know, I need like a wrestler. I need, yeah, like, yeah. I need like a for real, just huge looking dude. So I'd pick maybe the least charismatic member of the WWE. Is this a, big. Is this a movie? Is this a TV show? What are we talking here? TV show, TV show. What's sort of the concept? What's the, pitch it to me. What's street? Streaming TV show. So the enforcers have just gotten kicked out of the mob for being too inept. Nobody wants to hang out with them. They're the, un- they're the biggest nerds in crimedom. And they get together and they're like, our problem is we always try to have a leader. We got to just take care of ourselves for a change and show these guys that we are good criminals. And over the and they decide they're going to steal the Mona Lisa. And so over the course of this season, over the course of this season, they're assembling all the pieces to steal the Mona Lisa for the sake of just respect. It's really respect yeah. and they get the Mona Lisa but they don't get respect and that kicks off our season too. I love it and they, I can also imagine them being like refusing to use guns like the, yeah their code of honor like we do it the old way. <laughs> Judo and ropes <laughs> yeah they end up doing more good than evil they like stop kids from doing drugs they take guns out of people's <laughs> hands uh, I think Fancy Dan is divorced but he's on good terms with his wife because he's got a good relationship with his daughter um, <laughs> I mean this is a full pitch this is my show, yeah. The Enforcers, baby. Gonna get Jeff Loeb on the line and make a get a Netflix, maybe Freeform. I'm not sure where this ends up. You know, and then every every episode has a great fight sequence where they we get to see the Enforcers go nuts with some ropes, you know, kung fu and punching. Yeah, I definitely can imagine like them being sort of heralded as heroes for a few episodes and them just being furious about it. They definitely want to commit. Yeah, yeah. They accidentally get praised and that that really bums them out. The, there's a, and it's gonna be there'll be a particular antagonist, which is like a mid level lieutenant in the mob who was their like go-between and who shows up every now and then to ridicule them. And maybe at one point late in the season, they actually get to do a job for like the kingpin, you know, like the big kahuna. Yeah. And they refuse because they like, they don't respect him anymore or something. Right. He keeps killing people. Yeah. That's not how they operate. What's your answer? Uh, my answer is, I wish you'd gone second. Your answer is so <laughs> delightful. Uh I, I was like, if you if you're going like sort of like because uh, uh, you're going to give a real answer, like it's sort of the you're, venom. Under, you're under the burden of trying to actually think of a good show. I, I think yours sounds like an amazing show. I'm not <laughs> joking. I think it sounds really fun. Um, I was going to say Mysterio. I feel like he's got the most uh, uh, range to t- be okay. more than just a villain. Yeah, uh, uh, to have more going on. And again, like even when I talked about him as a movie character. Uh, back when we heard he might have been cast for uh, the next Spider-Man movie, I sort of see him more as an illusionist, sort of a mentalist than a special effects, practical special effects guy. Okay. Uh, and I would probably do something with that. I'd probably want to do either a movie where like you don't know what's real, like a real uh, you know mind screw. So like we just don't know what's happening. Okay, that's cool. Um, I'd see it as a movie. Uh, it would not be a great movie. I I feel like I wouldn't be putting my all into it because I'd be more just asking you what's going on in the Enforcers writers room. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> I think I would. I think that sounds. It was like wasn't there a show uh, about guys trying to rob Mick Jagger? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Yes, guys the try- Knights of Prosperity. Donal Loge was the star. Okay. Uh, Sophia Varga pre Modern Family was in it. And they're just a bunch of crooks that were sort of like making a plan to, it was originally 
going to be called uh, Let's Rob Mick Jagger. Yes. Um, but then they changed the name at some point to a less fun name. Uh, yeah, it was canceled. It didn't do well. But like it's sort of the idea of inept criminals, sort of like an inept uh, Ocean's Eleven. OK, probably what that show was like. That, that sounds like in the same world of what I just pitched. Yeah. Uh, what were you saying about uh, Mysterio? Yeah, like, I could see the special effects being like really fun, like modern CGI and stuff would let, would let you do a pretty cool Mysterio. Yeah, especially when you think of things like uh, Inception and uh, movies like that where – or, or, or like now you see me yeah. type of things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like you could definitely have fun with that. It'd be it'd probably be best. The best case scenario is like it'll be like now you see me, which is like a fun but dumb movie. I don't mind that. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, that's what I'd be shooting for. That sort of tone, sort of like uh, um, and I don't know whether he's a hero or a villain in it. Um, I have to think about it more. Yours came out so fully formed. I feel <laughs> I had this question for a while and it seemed like you've been waiting for it to be asked. <laughs> Um, but that's uh, all the mail we have. All right, we caught up. That's uh, we got a lot yeah. of good mail. Keep and if you want to send us a email, send us a send us a note to screwitspidey at gmail You can also check our Instagram out, screwitspidey at Instagram, as well as Twitter, screwitspidey at at the Twitter account. I wonder uh, who who will be the first, if ever, girl to send us an email. I, so far, we have zero. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> two um, middle-aged men talking about Spider-Man. Oh boy. Yeah, I don't know if any. Uh, uh, I mean, these comics are great and they're fun, but I don't know what. I think our audience might just be more of us. Yeah, that's fine with me. Um, I, I like I like the vibe of everyone who's written in. So yeah, we we like you, but we're just we. Wish there was more. We wish we had Liz Allen, Mary Jane, and uh, <laughs> Betty Brant arguing over who gets to email us first. <laughs> um, all right. Well, that's our that's our episode. Yeah. Next episode's issue twenty six. We got the return of the Green Goblin again, yeah. as well as the Crime Master, the Man in the Crime Master's mask. Yeah. So look forward to that. That'll be out next Wednesday, I believe. Yep. And. Um, Thanks for listening, uh, everybody. Kevin, good job on this episode. Thanks, Will. Pretty good job. I'm sorry you didn't get the answers awards right. correct. Yep. Yeah, some of the answers oh, you were wrong. I gave it a shot. Yeah. yeah um, study more before the next episode, and we'll see how we do. Fair enough. All right. Uh, uh, see you guys all next episode. Bye. Bye, everyone. Screw it. Screw it. We're just going to talk about Spider-Man. Hey, it's Angela. Hey, it's Lindsay. And we host the feminist podcast, Welcome to the Clambake. It's the opposite of a sausage fest. It's an anatomy joke. Each week we talk about the challenges, triumphs, and follies of feminism. With incredible guests, product reviews, and call-ins from feminist clams like you. It's an educational party for the soul. So don't be sexist. Listen to us every Monday on Campfire Media. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Or your favorite listening app. Sometimes I take off my pants. Campfire.